Welcome to episode 17 of the Bid Picture Podcast. My name is Bidemi Ologunde. This podcast presents interesting cybersecurity topics, news, and events, and how they affect us and influence our decisions, thoughts, opinions, and lifestyle choices on a daily basis, as well as how they all fit into the bigger picture of online security in this digital age. Today on the show, I'll be providing a follow-up to the incident that I described in episode 15 and also presenting a wild and complicated cybersecurity incident that happened recently in Italy. Thanks for joining us. To start with, I'll be providing a follow-up to episode 15 where I talked about how scammers were spoofing the phone numbers of FBI field offices in West Texas, in the United States, in order to steal the personal information of the residents in that part of the U.S. So these scammers would cold call the victims and trick them into giving up their social security numbers and other sensitive information by telling them that they have pending cases against them that require their urgent attention. Recently, however, in El Paso, Texas, one of the cities that saw the large number of scam calls in West Texas, the FBI has now reported seeing a dramatic surge in fraudulent unemployment insurance claims that are being filed using stolen identities. One thing to be aware of is this. A significant percentage of cybercrime is modeled after the operations of organized crime syndicates. So what I mean by that is experienced cyber criminals are efficient, they are detail-oriented, they are organized, and most importantly, they are patient. In most, almost every large-scale scenario where personal data is being stolen, what typically follows is either the sale of those data on the dark web, or in this case, using those data in a different way to make money. This past Wednesday, April 7, 2021, the El Paso Office of the Federal Bureau of Investigation, the FBI, sent out a press release regarding an increase in fraudulent unemployment insurance claims complaints related to the ongoing COVID-19 pandemic involving the use of stolen, personally identifiable information, also known as PII, so what are examples of PIIs? Um, that's the date of birth, social security numbers for people in the United States. And in some cases, maybe driver's license numbers um, and so many other things that can identify someone personally. That's why they're called personally identifiable information. All over the U.S., many people have been victimized by criminal actors impersonating the victims and using their stolen identities to submit fraudulent unemployment insurance claim online. These criminals obtain the stolen identities using a variety of techniques, including the online purchase of stolen PII. So a group of cyber criminals would steal um, stolen information, personal information, and then another group of cyber criminals would buy those information from the first group. Another way they get this stolen PII is from previous data breaches. Another method is computer intrusion. So they hack into computers and then steal those information from the computers they hack into. The most recent example that I presented in episode 15 is by cold calling the victim. So 
they would basically call the victims, pretend to be someone else, and then the victims would give up their social security numbers, date of birth, um, mother's maiden name, and so on and so forth. So email phishing schemes is another example. So they send a phishing email. They ask you to click on something. Then you click on that thing. It takes you to a fake website. Then you enter your email, password, and so many other things. Another method is by stealing the data physically. So maybe someone breaks into someone's house and they steal their social security card, or maybe they break into their car and they left their purse in their car overnight in their driveway, and then they steal their ID cards and so on and so forth from using that method. So um, there's also the, the theft from public websites, um, such as social media accounts. So if you use certain information to register on a social media account and then someone steals all the database from that social media account, then your data has been compromised. So there's so many different ways these hackers obtain personally identifiable information. And it's just something that is so rampant now. And now we're seeing the different ways that these hackers are using all of these stolen PIIs. Fortunately, many victims of identity theft that are related to unemployment insurance claims do not know that they have been targeted until they try to file a claim for unemployment insurance benefits or when they receive a notification from the state unemployment insurance agency or when they receive an IRS form 1099G showing the benefits they collected from unemployment insurance or when they get notified by their employer that a claim has been filed while they were still employed. In summary, there are four different possible situations where a victim wouldn't know that their data has been stolen until weeks and months later. In one incident I investigated last summer, the victim was not aware until about six months after the fact. So clearly, it is more likely that victims won't know that their data had been stolen and misused, which makes this type of cybercrime more profitable and efficient for the scammers to pull off. And it is for this reason that this has been one of the most popular type of cybercriminal activity since the pandemic began over a year ago. So the FBI has advised the public to be on the lookout for the following suspicious activities. If you receive communications regarding unemployment insurance forms or payments when you have not applied for unemployment benefits. Second, if you receive a state's taxable income form 1099G, which reflects unemployment benefits you have not applied for. Third, if you receive a notice that your claim was rejected because there is a claim already in your name. Four, unauthorized transactions on your bank or credit card statements related to unemployment benefits. Five, any fees involved in filing or qualifying for unemployment insurance. Six, unsolicited inquiries related to unemployment benefits. And lastly, fictitious websites and social media pages mimicking those of government agencies. And there's also tips on how to stay protected. So the first one here is be wary of telephone calls and text messages 
letters, websites, or emails that require you to provide your personal information or other sensitive information, especially birth dates and social security numbers. Be cautious with attachments and embedded links within emails and text, especially from an unknown sender. Second, monitor your bank accounts on a regular basis and request your credit reports from annualcreditreport.com at least once a year to look for any fraudulent activity. If you believe you're a victim, review your credit report more frequently. Third, immediately report unauthorized transactions to your financial institution or credit card provider. Um, next here is follow good online and smart device hygiene and general cybersecurity practices. And lastly, conduct research on unemployment benefit websites, including state unemployment insurance agencies, before providing your PII. There are many fake websites that mimic legitimate websites. And if you're a victim of a fraudulent unemployment insurance claim, the FBI recommends taking the following actions. First, immediately contact the three major credit bureaus to, to place a fraud alert on your credit records. Second, notify the IRS, the Internal Revenue Service, by filing an identity theft affidavit, that's the IRS form 14039, and you can find that through irs.gov or identitytheft.gov. Third, Notify your employer of the fraudulent claim as they will also need to file documentation. In my experience, there's, this is something most people don't do because they don't realize that they are supposed to do that, which then leads to further problems down the road. So to wrap up this segment, if you believe you have been a victim of identity theft related to fraudulent unemployment insurance claims, report the fraud to law enforcement, your state unemployment um, insurance agency, the Internal Revenue Service, credit bureaus, and your employer's human resources department. The FBI encourages victims to report fraudulent or any suspicious activities to the Internet Crime Complaint Center at ic3.gov or with the National Center for Disaster Fraud at 1-866-720-5721. You may also consult identitytheft.gov for help in reporting and recovering from identity theft. So that's all for the first segment. Um, In the next segment, I will discuss a wild and complicated cybercrime incident where an Italian man hired a hitman on the dark web to go after his ex-girlfriend. Yes, it's very wild and complicated. Stay with us. Please note that this segment contains depictions of violent cybercrimes that some listeners might find disturbing. Thank you. So a 40-year-old Italian national who is an IT expert was arrested after being suspected of hiring a hitman through an internet assassination site hosted on the Tor network on the dark web. Court documents reveal that he paid about 10,000 euros to the hitman, which is about $12,000. So what happened? The unmarried couple, the man and his ex-girlfriend, were in a relationship between November 2018 and July 2020. 
After their breakup, the man contacted a dark web group called Assassins through the anonymous Tor network. There he was able to recruit a hitman who he then gave instructions to scare his ex-girlfriend by pouring acid on her face and injuring her to the point of making her spend the rest of her life on a wheelchair. Meanwhile, at the same time he was commissioning this dark and violent crime on the dark web, he was still sending flowers and text messages to the ex-girlfriend to invite her to meet up and reconnect their relationship. In February 2021, those dark web communications and transactions where he was seeking to hire the hitman were flagged by the police in another European country and then brought to the attention of the International Criminal Police Organization, popularly known as Interpol. Interpol is an international organization that facilitates worldwide, worldwide police cooperation and crime control. The subsequent investigations were carried out by the Italian Postal and Communication Police, which is a specialized unit in charge of investigating all crimes that use communications as part of its mode of operation, such as computer hacking, online child pornography, credit card fraud, spreading computer viruses or software copyright violations, and other high-tech crimes. The European Union Agency for Law Enforcement Cooperation, also known as Europol, provided assistance with that investigation. So Europol is the law enforcement agency of the European Union, and it's in charge of handling criminal intelligence to combat serious organized crime and terrorism through cooperation between competent authorities of the EU member states. So Europol carried out an urgent complex crypto analysis to enable the tracing and identification of the cryptocurrency provider from which the suspect purchased the bitcoins. The Italian police then reached out to the identified Italian crypto service provider who confirmed the information uncovered during the investigation and provided the authorities with further details about the suspect. The timely investigation prevented any harm from being perpetrated against the woman involved. Further operational analysis and expertise were provided by Europol's European Cybercrime Center, also known as EC3, and the Joint Cybercrime Action Task Force, also known as JCAT. JCAT is located at Europol's headquarters. The JCAT is a standing operational team made up of cyber liaison officers from different countries who work from the same office on high-profile cybercrime investigations. To summarize this wild case, an unmarried Italian couple broke up in July 2020. Since the breakup happened, the man had been trying to get his ex-girlfriend to rebuild the relationship by sending out text messages and flowers. In February 2021, about two months ago, he decided to hire a hitman to beat up and severely injure his, his ex-girlfriend, but the police in a different European country intercepted those communications on the dark web and forwarded it to the Interpol for investigation. The Interpol then collaborated with Europol and other European and Italian law enforcement agencies to track down the hitman and the man that hired the hitman in a timely manner invariably saving the woman's life. 
And all this happened without the woman knowing what was going on or what was about to happen to her. Unfortunately, this type of cybercrime is quite common on the dark web and is one of the shadowy and dangerous parts of the internet that most people are not familiar with. Crime as a service is a growing subset of cybercrimes, where different kinds of crimes are commissioned to specialists with payments ranging from hundreds to thousands of dollars. Interestingly, there are fraudulent hitmen on some of these dark web forums who just take people's money without committing the crimes they requested for and even end up blackmailing them. But there are a few forums that match actual killers with the equally cold-blooded people in need of their services, with the promise of discretion, secrecy, and total anonymity. Despite the guarantees of anonymity, however, law enforcement agencies are still able to track and identify the criminals engaging in these shady underground crime-as-a-service forums, as was the case in this incident. One way law enforcement agencies succeed is by compromising the servers that the hosts of these underground forums use to communicate with their members and potential customers. In other words, even while supposedly operating within the inherent anonymity of the Tor network, it is still possible to trace the machines and devices that connect to, the to, to that network under particular conditions and with suitable tracking software. Another well-known method is the use of undercover agents in dark web forums. Of course, there are other ways to track down the cryptocurrency transactions used to finance cybercrime requests, as well as identify threat actors on the dark web, but these happen to be closely guarded secrets among international and state-run law enforcement agencies like the FBI, Interpol, and Europol. Some people have called for shutting down the Tor network, and by extension, the entire dark web. But it is important at this point to clarify the importance of having and keeping a part of the internet underground. Even though it is often abused for all kinds of criminal activities, the dark web is usually is actually a valuable tool for journalists who have to conduct investigative research especially from regimes where the free press and independent journalism are censored and suppressed. Because of this, there are many journalists who owe their literal survival to the existence of anonymous internet networks like Tor and the general dark web. In this case, we see the timely and efficient cooperative relationship between international, European, and Italian law enforcement agencies the key element to the success of this investigation was the analysis of the cryptocurrency transactions that were carried out by Europol, which made it possible to identify the individual who hired a hitman on the dark web to hurt his ex-girlfriend. Simultaneously, the Rome Mobile Squad, which is a specialized unit of the Italian state police that is specialized in gender-based violent crimes, acted quickly to reconstruct the ex-girlfriend's life, uh, acquaintances, and previous romantic relationships, which led them to match the same profile as the ex-boyfriend that had been tracked earlier by Europol's analysis of the cryptocurrency transactions. According to the Rome Mobile Squad, this was the first time that they stopped a gender-based violent crime that was plotted on the internet. 
The use of the dark web to advertise the services of assassins is not new, but arrests are few and far between. In August of last year, 2020, 31-year-old John Michael Musbach in New Jersey, United States, was charged with paying a hitman about $20,000 to murder a 14-year-old boy with whom he had exchanged sexually explicit images. That plot was, however, uncovered after the hitman had already been arrested and charged with other offenses. Apparently, the murder for higher sites he contacted was a fraudulent site that usually tries to extort its clients. Musbach asked if a 14-year-old was too young to target. And upon hearing that the age was not a problem, he paid approximately $20,000 in Bitcoin for the hit. Court documents show that Musbach repeatedly messaged the site's administrator to follow up on the hit and ask when it would happen. When he was pressed for an additional $5,000 to secure the hit, Musbach eventually tried to cancel the deal and ask for a refund. The site administrator then revealed that the site was a scam and threatened to reveal Musbach's information to law enforcement. According to the Department of Justice, agents were able to confirm Musbach's identity through several means, including linking him to the same screen name he used to communicate with the Mother for Hire website, and also tracing the flow of money from Musbach's bank account to the purchase of Bitcoin used to pay for the hit. Again, in this incident from last year, we saw how federal agents were able to track down the man that hired an assassin to kill a 14-year-old boy despite attempting to cover his tracks and making payments using Bitcoin. The takeaway here is that cybercrime is becoming more traceable and new tools are being deployed to allow law enforcement agencies all over the world to collaborate in a timely manner to make sure that we are all safe. It is equally important that we as individuals keep up the basic cybersecurity practices for our personal devices, social media accounts, gaming accounts, online shopping accounts, online banking accounts, and every other means we interact in cyberspace. So that's all I have for today's episode of The Big Picture. This episode is produced, edited, and audio engineered by yours truly, Bidemi Logunde. Please join me again next time as I continue with a deep dive on cybersecurity topics, news, and events, and how they can be applied to our daily lives for robust cyber threat intelligence and awareness. Make sure you subscribe to The Beat Picture on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, Amazon Music, Google Podcasts, um, Pandora, TuneIn Radio, or wherever you get your podcasts from. Please share the show with everyone you think might benefit from it. And for questions, comments, or any suggestions on which topics you would like to hear about on future episodes, please send an email to bdme at thebeatpicture.com. That's B-I-D-E-M-I at thebeatpicture.com. And please remember to leave a review for the podcast. If your podcast platform allows you to do so, it will really help in popularizing the podcast and make it show up on recommended lists. Thank you for your time. God bless and talk to you next time.